Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and integrated well-being. Let's get to it. Here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We're talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I have a frog in my throat, but that does not detract from my desire to communicate and connect with our listeners. And if you like what you hear, follow me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen and HH Talk Radio, or tweet at us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Most of us in our lives at some point or another will be radically challenged. We'll be challenged by pain, suffering, loss, disappointment, And in those moments, in those times of what are often called the dark nights of the soul, there is an opportunity for transcendence and transformation that leads us to come home to who we really are, to become more whole, complete, satisfied, and grounded. And my guest today is someone whose work I've admired for many years, and In my belief, he is one of the master teachers in helping us come to know this place, and that is Mark Nepo. He has moved and inspired readers and seekers all over the world with his number one New York Times bestseller book, The Book of Awakening. He's a beloved poet, teacher, and storyteller. Mark has been called one of the finest spiritual guides of our time, a consummate storyteller, and an eloquent spiritual teacher. His work is widely accessible and used by many, and his books have been translated into more than 20 languages. As a best-selling author, he has published 16 books and recorded 11 audio projects. Recent works include The Endless Practice. He's been cited by Spirituality and Practice as one of the best spiritual books uh, in 2014. Inside the Miracle is his forthcoming book, and it is a book that I have had the great pleasure of receiving an advanced copy of and been putting to good use in the past several days, and that's what we want to talk about. 
uh, that and many other things with Mark Nepo. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's great to be with you. It is really great to be with you. Let's talk about Inside the Miracle, Enduring Suffering, Approaching Wholeness, because this is something that most of us who even have a, a, a nanosecond of awareness in our lives will come to know at some point or have known. Yeah, so, you know, <clears throat> thank you. So this book really gathers um, 30 years of my inquiry and teaching and and writing about suffering and healing and wholeness. And um, as some folks know from, from my work, I'm a long-term cancer survivor. 27 years ago is when I was first diagnosed and went through, you know, quite a journey. The heat of that journey was about three years, which took me very close to death and um, went through surgeries and chemo. And, and you know, while I that changed my life. I mean, that changed how I perceive, that changed how I meet life, how I embrace life. And, and before we talk about that, I want to really be clear that, you know, for me, it was the journey of cancer. But it can really be anything for anyone. It could be, you know, the loss of a job or a loved one. It could be something not even tangible that we can identify, just a sudden, a sudden loss of purpose or bearing or, or sense of where we really are in the world. It's not, it's not you know, to, to romanticize or, <clears throat> or elevate catastrophe or disease. These, these things are just what they are. But what's most important is the space that's opened in us. And that's when the spiritual journey really deepens, is we, every human being alive, will have the opportunity to be upended, undone, and opened deeper than they were willing to open themselves. And how we meet that opening determines whether we will really know joy and humility and the and the the wonders of being alive. So having you know, having said that, so I don't I can only speak from what that that opening was for me, which was going through this journey of cancer. And and so this book, you know, which originally when I I uh in my thirties when I was going through this, I was writing not to publish anything. I was reduced to what expression is really for. It was helping me stay alive. It was bringing inner to outer. It was removing what was between me and the world so that I could be fully present and access all of my gifts because <clears throat> I needed them all to still be here. And it was only after when I was still blessed to be here that I realized, of course, that what, what I went through... <clears throat> While it was everything to me, it was really not, you know, it's something that everybody goes through. So I, I tried to go through what, all that I had journaled and the things that, that I stumbled on. And I published a, a small book back in 94 um, that gathered some poems and journal entries and prose pieces about that journey. And... That book, uh, you know, 
was published by a small press and it ran through its printing pretty quickly and and all these years later sounds true who's one of my publishers and an amazing group of people uh, gave me the opportunity not only to reissue that book but I really went back in and have added things that have not been published from all through the years since then and essays that have I've written through the years that uh, some appeared in my collected essays which is no longer in print and so I I put together an entire new whole um, an integrated <coughs> book that explores all this um, so that that really speaks to the book and and I would I would offer a couple of things about how this journey has changed me. You know, I, being blessed to wake up on the other side of all this, all those years ago, through no wisdom of mine, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, uh, I'd like to say I was wise, but I didn't know what was going on. But I woke up on the other side, uh, and I was living from my heart and not my head. And ever since then, my mind has served my heart and not the other way around. And that's made a huge difference in my life. And the other thing is that, you know, I was raised Jewish. And uh, during that journey, I was blessed to have people from all faiths offer me help, including people who don't believe in God. And... Um, and being blessed to be here, I wasn't wise enough, and I'm still not wise enough to know what worked and what didn't. And so I was challenged to believe in everything. And ever since then, all my books, all my teaching, all my work, I have been a student of all paths, looking to uncover the common center of all traditions and to lift up the unique gifts of each so that we could, uh, can apply them to our very, very personal lives. I love what you just said about being challenged to believe in everything. <laughs> that's, that's very huge. You know, the, the concept um, is vast. And I, your work so beautifully supports this notion and you you lead uh lectures retreats you offer readings you do a tremendous amount of teaching and 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 giving as part of this experience well you know one of the things that and and, and you know that has become clear to me as i've gotten older you know we are taught i mean the, the mind is a great great tool it's unlike anything, but I don't think we should give it the keys to the car. <laughs> Amen. I agree. <laughs> you know, and one of the things that we learn really well is we learn with our mind how to sort, prioritize, and choose. And this is important every day to make it through the world. We need to know whether to turn left or right or whether to buy milk or cottage cheese or what pills to take or how to help each other. But the things that matter, why we do all those things in the external world to survive 
is so that we can thrive. And thriving has to do with the heart. And what the heart wants us to do, I've learned, is not to sort out and prioritize and choose, but to let everything in to integrate and absorb. So, you know, the longer that I'm blessed to be here, the more I'm starting to understand that all things are true. Not that all things are just or fair. But all things contain truth, and the heart is asked. The mind can't solve paradox. Only the heart can be with all these amazing, mysterious things. And then when we can hold it and open and embrace and face what we're given, then the heart and the spirit release a different kind of knowing that I believe ultimately leads us to joy. Mark, we're going to need to pause and go to a break briefly. And when we come back, I would like to carry on the conversation to speak about the concept of joy, being present with joy in spite of the challenges, in spite of the hardships, without denying what's going on. But before we do, I want to send our listeners to your website, which is marknepo.com. On Facebook, that page is marknepo. And the Twitter handle is at Mark Nepo. Here come the tunes, and we'll be right back. We know that life can be tough, and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Love to read? Looking to harvest your happiness? Then look no further. Lisa Cypress Kamen is an author of three amazing books that will assist in taking your well-being and self-mastery to the next level. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life offers breakthrough strategies for creating your own personal happiness revolution. Perspectives on addiction and integrated journey to wellness is an overview of the recovery process from a multi-stepped perspective and holistic approach of substance abuse and lifestyle management. Through her third book, Reintegration Strategies for Depression, Anxiety, Anger, Grief, and Post-Traumatic Stress, offers an own nonsense approach to dealing with post-combat civilian life reintegration issues for veterans and their families. You'll find these books online at Amazon.com and HarvestingHappiness.com. Saturday afternoons on 97.5. Joyriding the coast with a global vibe, pleasing your ears and inspiring your mind. Joyriding the coast with me, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Saturdays, 2 to 5, on 97.5. KBU and RadioMalibu.net. 
Mindful meditative moments are free and relaxing on-the-spot mini staycation journeys designed to calm the mind and soothe the body from the comfort of wherever you are. No reservations or travel required. Check out the playlists on HarvestingHappiness.com and Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes and SoundCloud. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking with author and spiritual teacher Mark Nepo about his latest book, Inside the Miracle, Enduring Suffering, Approaching Wholeness. And as many of our listeners may know, or maybe you don't know, that Mark, 30 years ago, had gone through um, cancer. He had had cancer, and he's been in remission for decades. And he is a magnificent writer, teacher, poet, storyteller, and human being, and uh, all over fantastic man. And your latest book, Inside the Miracle, Enduring Suffering, Approaching Wholeness, really is a beautiful piece of of um, dynamic art. And I will explain what I mean by that. Um, Mark's publisher had sent me an advanced copy and I brought the book with me to work with clients. I wanted to get their feedback on their experience when I read to them his work. And I read a particular passage on the value of, uh, of suffering. And at the end of that chapter, there was a, a challenge, almost like how to do a moving meditation or to walk with the piece, the piece and the concepts that were presented. And what I had challenged the clients to do was to think about their willfulness and how their willfulness either contributed or de- detracted from the experience of the challenges that they were having. And it was really tremendous, the feedback. So I just want to thank oh. you, Mark. For, for what you created. Well, thank you. You know, I, it's very important to me in, in, in this book and in several of my books over the last five, six years, um, you know, and it really began with the Book of Awakening, and I've evolved it further. I really, it's important to me from my teaching to to include questions, journal questions, meditations, uh, you know, discussion questions that you could have with friends and loved ones, because it's so important if anything speaks to us where do where then does it live in our lives because what's universal is ultimately very personal it's ultimately very personal and and things only remain abstract if we don't try to apply them in the everyday indeed and the experience with these men and women that I shared your work with, uh, this is in the context of addiction and trauma recovery. Um, the, the clients had varying issues that they were going through from um, healing from heroin addiction to being hospitalized for a suicide attempt. And so there's really a lot of, of darkness and challenge that these men and women were experiencing. And they, they loved the question about willfulness. You know, no, well, thank was... you. You know, I think one of the things that's so um, uh, humbling, and it's an archetypal passage, but you know, it doesn't matter how 
how gifted we are, how devoted we are, how ready we are, how lucky, how, how alone or how not alone, sooner or how rich or poor, sooner or later, every human being will not get what they want. <laughs> and <laughs> how true. And, and that is not to minimize, you know, often the things we want, like, you know, we don't want a loved one to die. You know, we don't want to have our life be out of control and addiction. You know, um, we don't want to be in the pain that we are in that we can't seem to stop. You know, so it's not to minimize the things we want. There are times we want things that aren't so important. You know, whether I want a new car or I want to go to this or that. Um, but, but the point is that in our journey, at some point, we don't get what we want. And the spiritual journey really deepens then. Because as for me, as I've experienced, when that happens, it breaks our self-reference. It breaks our willfulness. It breaks the part of us that wants to reshape the world in our image. And then we are, we open up a very real moving feeling conversation with life. What kind of part am I in what kind of whole W H O L E, you know, am, am I a rung on a ladder? Am I a bird in a tree? Am I rain coming to water the earth? You know, am I a star giving light to others? You know, am I a stone in the river? And it changes all the time, but we, we realize that we are part of something larger than us. And so it doesn't eliminate, it doesn't mean that what we want is insignificant, but it makes us participate in this larger journey of life. And, you know, I mean, you mentioned earlier, and I want to touch on this about about how do we, you know, how do we move toward beauty and joy with all the suffering and the pain that, that's in our way? And, you know, and it's, it's interesting. We have to learn. Uh, you know, we talk about suffering and we talk about joy and we have to, like, focus on things individually so we can understand. But that's not how life appears. Life appears integrated in one messy, magnificent unity. And so we are often asked to let beauty in while we're suffering. And I can share with you a, a personal example that really opened this up for me. And this happened maybe four or five years ago. And it was the, it was the kind of the worst thing I've been through since my cancer journey. I had a, a situation which it was triggered by the chemo damage I had many years ago, but I had a, a situation where my stomach had stopped emptying because of the neuropathy that I had from chemo. And people who suffer this, some people it's chronic and you can't eat very much while the stomach is healing. And you never know when you're going to have a pain, uh, an attack in your stomach. So it becomes very uh, unsettling and frightening. And so uh, where we live, uh, my wife and I, we have all these bird feeders out in the backyard that my wife Susan wonderfully has tended and put up. And twice a year, we have, in the summertime, uh, Baltimore Orioles come for only a few days. 
And so during this time that I was suffering with this stomach condition and every day not knowing when I would be being in pain or not, and there were, there were the Orioles. And I was excited and I didn't want to miss them. And I started to go back to the back door to, to watch them. And just then I got one of those attacks in my stomach. Mm. And there, there we are. There all of us are. Because I was faced, as we all are, whatever the details are, I was faced with not denying my pain, because we all know it only makes it bigger. And I couldn't drown in my pain. I needed to honor my pain and at the same time let the beauty of the Orioles in. Not just because they were beautiful, but because that beauty is part of the medicine that helps right size the pain. And I didn't do it well, and I did it awkwardly and bumbled around, but I, I did it. And this is what we're challenged with is to, this is a chapter in, in my book, The Endless Practice, to endure and endear, to survive and thrive. If all we do is endure without making things dear, what's the point? And no one gets, gets through this life without having to survive. You know, the world, nature is eroded to its beauty. Human beings, you know, suffering is the human form of erosion. Nobody, you know, nobody signs up for it. Nobody likes it. But we are always stronger than we think we are. And we're always more together than alone. And so if we can hold each other up, all that will be left will be wonder and joy. Mm. So beautifully said. Truly. Yeah, thank you. And you know, the, it's the contrast, you know, of the story that you just told of the Oreos and the pain. It's that contrast that heightens the awareness, that holds the opportunity for the preciousness. Well, yes, because, you know, just the way coal is pressurized into a diamond, Experience, the life of experience pressure, pressurizes us until the jewel that we carry is revealed. And again, that, that's not easy. Um, but that seems to be kind of part of the spiritual physics of things. Yes, indeed. So if we have time, let me read a short poem from the new book. We this have is, time. We will make time. <laughs> okay, this is called The Sway of It All. And so I lift my face from the mud, the mud of my past, the mud of history, the thick and ragged bark of how we think everyone but our own darkness is the enemy. I lift my face like a worn planet spinning on itself to get back into the light, to say to no one, to everyone, it is an honor to be alive. Mm. Magnificent. Well, the last you. section, I'm sorry, the last section of your book, Inside the Miracle, Enduring Suffering, Approaching Wholeness, 
is entitled Still Here, Still Wondering. <laughs> Mark Nippo, what are you still wondering about? Oh, everything. Everything. You know, it's just such a amazing, messy miracle to be here at all, you know, and part of the thing that we are constant, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to understand and learn more and more about, um, about how we live together, how we, uh, you know, my whole adult life, I, I have, and I think people who are sensitive and who are trying to grow and who believe in a life of transformation, I think all, all people like that, you know, I have been trying to thin what is between my heart and the world. Now, I should have realized this, but I think I've done a pretty good job of that. And as we do that, our heart becomes our skin. And therefore, we are both more fragile and vulnerable and stronger. But what I'm wondering about and what I'm still trying to learn is, well, now how do I live with my heart as my skin? Most of our lives, we're guarding ourselves and protecting ourselves. But what I've learned over time is that being who we are is, a, is the best protection, not hiding who we are. But now we have to learn, well, how do I live with my heart this far out here in the world? That's one of the things I'm wondering about. And how... Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there is the next part of the journey, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I, I cry so easily now at things that don't even make sense, you know, it's, and it's not always sadness. You know, we're so afraid of feeling in our culture that we appropriate, we think that, that when we see tears, they're always involved with sadness, but tears are the water of life. And when we're open enough and present enough, like underground springs, the water of life shows itself through us. It cleanses our eyes and it cleanses our heart. And now we're even closer to things. Mark, we are out of time. <laughs> it, no, actually, I want to rephrase that. We're out of time only at this moment. And I hope <laughs> that you'll join us again and share more um, of yourself and inside the miracle, enduring suffering, approaching wholeness. Thank you, Mark Nepo, for gifting us with your presence this, this day. We really appreciate it. To learn more, please visit marknepo.com, on Facebook, Mark Nepo, and on Twitter, that handle is at Mark Nepo. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Remember what it feels like to receive a gift? We all know nothing gives happiness like a present, so you should unwrap yours at harvestinghappiness.com and sign up to receive your free ebook, Got Happiness Now, that offers simple, user friendly ways to get greater happiness in your world each and every day. That's harvestinghappiness.com. 
Lisa Cypress Cayman has built an impressive global lifestyle management consulting company offering applied positive psychology, mindfulness, and integrated well-being coaching. Her services, including addiction and trauma recovery support, as well as life crisis triage, are available worldwide through phone, video, and on-site. In addition, Lisa delivers workshops, lectures, and trainings to corporations and institutions and is a frequent guest expert on many prominent radio and TV shows. Connect with us at HarvestingHappiness.com for more information. Harvesting Happiness for Heroes is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation offering innovative and integrated stigma-free combat recovery services to veterans and their loved ones with programming that focuses on the transformation of post-traumatic stress into post-traumatic growth using scientifically proven positive psychology coaching tools and strategies that increase self-mastery, self-awareness, and self-esteem to help heal the invisible wounds of war. To make a tax-free charitable contribution or to learn more, please visit visit hh4heroes.org. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast because we're talking about something very meaty here, really the heart of the matter of the life that we are living, and that is how we move through the difficult spots in our lives, how we can transcend and transform them. And my next guest happens to be somebody that I know and the, the meaning of this is kind of interesting because you never know where you're going to meet a guru. And this woman I happen to have met coincidentally in an elevator 20 years ago, and we just discovered that she remembered me, and of course I remembered her. For over 20 years, Rabbi Sherry Hirsch has been sharing her intimate counsel and wisdom with people in all kinds of pulpits, ranging from her congregation at Sinai Temple in Los Angeles to the audience of the Today Show to Southern Baptist churches. She serves as the spiritual life consultant for Canyon Beach Properties and is a highly sought after inspirational speaker and teacher who routinely addresses congregations, corporations, women's groups, leadership organizations, and countless other audiences throughout the United States. Good morning, Rabbi Sherry Hirsch. Sherry, this is so cool, we get to do this together. I'm so excited, Lisa, and I love that you remembered and that you made the connection and that you, I always think the elevator is one of the most important places to meet people. Well, clearly, clearly it is. And you have a new book entitled Thresholds, How to Thrive Through Life's Transitions to Live Fearlessly and Regret-Free. And I think the title is powerful and the theme of fearlessness is one that is quite fashionable. It's pretty trendy these days because it really speaks to a whole host of other qualities and characteristics that happy people, as well as people who are not so happy, need to embrace in order to get through the difficult times in life. Right. And I'm so, so I'm so against sort of this happiness culture. Like we have to always be happy. I think it causes a lot of pressure for people. I'm much more focused on how do we find meaning and the byproduct of meaning will always be 
happiness and other things, but it will give you happiness long-term. But I'm over the happiness culture. Enough is enough, you know? I, I agree. And, you know, ironically, although, you know, of course this show is named Harvesting Happiness, the idea is we really talk about, you know, this is not about the annoying yellow smiley face. This this life of joy comes from finding passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So we are aligned uh, on the on the message. Right. That's why I wasn't afraid to say it, because I know that your vision is to really expand the definition of happiness and to really, it, happiness is not just eating a delicious chocolate, although that is happy, um, but it's to find that real sense of joy and meaning and purpose and to live well, you know, and I know you're so aligned with the message that I wasn't afraid to say it. No, 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 no. I mean, it, 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 you are on the spot. Let's talk about thresholds, how to thrive through life's transitions to live fearlessly and regret free. I, I love to say that whole title because it is so meaningful. Um, you know, it's a bit of a mouthful. It is a mouthful, but you know, life is, is a lot more than a mouthful. And really what we're talking about and what you've written about is these transitional moments that occur in each one of our lives, whether it's something exciting, a new job, a marriage, the birth of a child, or maybe the flip side, the, the death of a parent, an empty nest, a divorce, um, other painful life transitions. And you're speaking to us. You're telling us in this book ways to more gracefully embrace and move through these experiences. You know, it's interesting because a lot of people give a lot of platitudes about how to move through. And then when you close the book, you're a little bit like, okay, but now what do I do? And so it really is meant to be a toolbox for people like, okay, what is the first thing I do because I feel regret and I feel fear. And what is the first thing I can do to change how I move through this particular threshold so that I don't feel so burdened by all these emotions? And what would tip number one be, you know, or what would tool number one be? Well, so tool number one would always be to not react, but to respond. I use this analogy of the weight box is that we're so reactive in these moments because we're, it's very personal. We feel very emotional. And so we make decisions out of just complete pure reactivity. And so I tell people to wait, 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 pause, you know, seek counsel from people that you love and trust, but ultimately to be your own guru and your own guide and to really so I developed a weight box, which is on my computer, and I put every incendiary or conf conflicting message into the weight box, and I let it sit there for 24 hours. And I did it for a year, and it changed my life. I found that what I put in there was never what was sent, and that's a great way to start. Oh, the weight box. And what we mean by that, listeners, is W-A-I-T, not W-E-I-G-H-T. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yes, not the W-E-I-G-H-T. Right, right. We're, this is not about the mass. It's about h holding on to our reactivity. Yes, very Hold much so. Holding space, and, really. And the other thing, Lisa, is that we live in such an instantaneous culture. We're so bombarded with messages that we have to respond immediately that we fall into the you know, the burden of it. And I'm really encouraging people to pause. Nothing is going to happen in that 24 hours, except that you're going to come from a better place, from a different place. And you're going to be a, a lot more fearless in approaching whatever conversation or conflict that you're dealing with. 
So as you guide readers to embrace these changes rather than fear them, you have got a, a chapter in the book about really addressing perfectionism, about you know why we should strive to be a B plus mother and wife, you know, why, you know, the A plus role is not really the best place for us. And I love this. This is, it's funny and it's true. It's so true because what I've found is that women, as a result of us having equal opportunities, we've taken all that type A drive as a lawyer, as a professional, and we've pushed it into our motherhood. And as a result, we're making motherhood look very unappealing because we're so perfectionistic and our kids cannot live up to these expectations. And so I tell people to strive to be a B plus, to be really good, right? A B, not a B minus, a B plus. Right. And really good. I, yeah, really good. And I don't say this just out of my own sort of philosophy. I really, my orientation is the, the Bible. Obviously I'm a rabbi. And what I tell people is that when God was creating the world, after each day, God said it was good. God did not say it was perfect. And in fact, some days God said it was very good. But after God completed the world, he realized there was a lot of imperfections and that was okay. And so it's really, we have to take God's lead, as I always say, whether you believe in God or not, take the lead of that which is not known, which is that to be a B plus is really what we're striving for. And the perfectionism is pretty much unattainable. And once we get there, you know, I, I believe that we're bowls with a hole by nature. You know, so once we get yes. that perfection that we think we want, we're already in a losing position because we're wanting to strive for something else or better. Right. Perfection is not a destination, even though we tend to think that it is. So the moment we get, quote, there, what is there? Then we're striving for the next thing. And I think it's a really, it's, it's a dangerous rabbit hole that we're, we're really easily fall into often. So for all our listeners, Sherry gives us permission, like to be a B plus, like it's, it, it, it being really good is really great. You know, it's it, to strive to be just good at everything that we do, not to be the best. And this will help us when times of challenge arise. Absolutely. And look at our children, too. If we keep sending them the message that they have to be perfect, we're going to have children that truly feel inadequate all the time because it's unattainable. And so let's model for them an adulthood that they really want to be a part of. And good is that adulthood, not perfect. I agree. I agree. What about uh, firing a friend? This is another one of the um, tips that you talk about. I think this is really interesting because of the nature of relationships and not all of them are meant to go on forever. Well, Facebook has really confused us, Lisa, because what happens on Facebook is that we find all these old friends and sometimes it can be a true message, you know, and we can find an old love or an old friend. But often, what we do is we have these three exchanges. Oh my God, what are you up to? What are you up to? What are you up to? And then it's sort of the conversation ends. And the truth is, is that certain people come into our life for certain periods. Like there's a shelf life to friendship and not every single one of our friends is going to be a friend for a lifetime. And I think there's this feeling, especially due to Facebook, which I love, but also has created this sort of idea that we're supposed to have this million friends and we're supposed to be best friends with them all. And it's just not achievable. 
what I tell people is that there's a shelf life to friendship. And sometimes you have to fire a friend because it's no longer in your, it's no longer okay for you. Whether if it, there's difficulty or the friendship is just not growing, sometimes you need to take a break and say, you know what, this is, this relationship had a beginning, a middle and an end, and now we need to end it. And easier in, said than done. Yes, easier said than done. But in thresholds, you talk about um, the nature of relationships in these shelf lives, and you also include marriage in this. And I think this is a bold statement because we are taught, that, although we know this not to be true, that marriage um, should be a pursuit of death till we part. And that, yes, of course, I, is the natural end. But you're talking about it in the context of outmoded as well. Right. It's very unexpected coming from a rabbi, right? It is. You think that a rabbi says, oh, stay no matter what. And actually, I don't think that's how it works. You know, that was an age when people were put together at a very young age and marriage had a very different contract. It was really about a financial exchange. And so it, it was very different. And I think one of the is how to look at marriage as relationships that have a beginning and middle and end. And some of them absolutely are forever, but some of them maybe aren't. And that's okay, that that's not a failure, but that's part of your development and part of your relationship and part of growing into the next relationship. We are going to take a break, and this is a, a great segue to the break because we'll give the listeners an opportunity to cogitate on the nature of marriage is perhaps being impermanent. That, that what we think it is, and we know that the experience of marriage is not always lifelong, but we think that it should be. And, and Sherry, in her book, Thresholds, How to Thrive Through Life's Transitions to Live Fearlessly and Regret-Free, she's saying something else. To learn more, please visit SherryHirsch.com. On Twitter, the handle is at Sherry Hirsch. And on Facebook, the page is Rabbi Sherry Hirsch. And that's S-H-E-R-R-E. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Lisa Cypress-Kamen author of Got Happiness Now, is also a prestigious TEDx presenter. Her talks, The Mysteries of Fear and the Inversion Theory of Joy, can be found online at TED.com and on the Harvesting Happiness YouTube channel. Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. 
Check out the critically acclaimed documentary film, H Factor, Where is Your Heart? An insightful visual journey from Lisa Cypress Kamen, showing that every person possesses the means to be happy. Follow Lisa and her nine-year-old daughter, Kayla, as they travel the world on the hunt for the universal keys to human happiness. Their question, what makes you happy? Discover the origins of human happiness, where to find it, create it, and keep it. Find it in our shop at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. All right. Good, huh? Yeah, so fun, Lisa. You're a great interviewer. Oh, well, you make it very, very easy. Plus, the, our connection makes it. I have this image of you as a young, newly engaged woman in my mind. So I'm seeing you in the elevator. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Oh, my God. It's like I can't believe it. It's so and I just remember that your husband was so much older than you and you were just full of energy and vibrancy. And, uh, you know, with those two adorable kids at that point, you had one. But I've seen you since then. Yes, yes. And I adored him until things went horribly wrong, which they do, you know, but. I'm a yes. poster girl for your book. <laughs> and he was a sweet man. I just, uh, you know, it, it's interesting how lives can diverge and go in yeah. different directions. You know, True and that. he's still the parent. He's still the father of your children. He, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I didn't think he, there was another father. No, 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 no. And is he involved in their lives? No. No, not really. That's a very long story. I just texted you, so you should yeah. just make, con confirm that you got it, and we'll get back to the show. Yep. All Great. right. And I, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know that you had four kids. I think the last time we saw one another was probably at two and pregnant or three, and 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 on hiatus temporarily. So yes. <laughs> that you've got a you've got a boatload of kids. That's amazing. And both my parents died unexpectedly, so that was a big change too. Oh my. Oh, we have, we have a lot to catch up on. Yes, very much so. Yes, very, very much so. Um, okay, we'll get back to the show. We'll talk about uh, what to say at life's most uncomfortable moments when it's time. Well, we talked about when it's time to end the relationship. Um, let me go, because Sarah put together some talking points, but I have some others that come just from the publicist. And if there's one that is, you're particularly fond of, tell me, and I will make sure we segue there. Oh, you're so cute. Um, uh, I think the whole idea of like forgiving yourself is a big one. Forgiveness? I think people need to hear it. Over. Okay. Is it on there? No, 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 it's not on there. But there is a, the, the, the one that I really love is how do I talk to my children about tough trending topics, the trans, yes. uh, transgender nation and all of that. That yes. is, that's going to be cool. We can have some very nice social media with that as well. That'd be great. Okay. All right, here we go. We are back. Lisa, can you just give me the high sign that we're recording and good? Okay. All right. Let me just make sure I'm set up. I'm going to need about a minute at the end, Sherry, to do a canned close that we have. Okay. I just want to get all my paperwork in order so I, you don't hear me shuffling papers. And I have to remember the text because I look at it and it throws me off for a second. So I have to remember it's just a, a cue. Yeah, so. it's just a cue. Exactly. Okay, here we go. One, two, 
three, and we are back. We are talking with Sherry Hirsch about her new book, Thresholds, How to Thrive Through Life's Transitions to Live Fearlessly and Regret-Free. And really what we're talking about is transcendence and transformation when life is not always a bowl of cherries. So Sherry, we were talking about the need to sometimes transition out of our relationships to fire friends, to move on from marriages that perhaps we thought were forever, only to learn that they are not. But now I want to talk about something a little bit um, deeper than that even, and that is the idea of forgiveness or letting go of judgments and positionality when things don't go as planned. I think one of our most difficult challenges, Lisa, is not to judge others and ourselves. And I see it, you know, I'll be sitting in front of a family that's just had the death of their father and they're grieving terribly. And instead of talking about their grief and their loss, they're constantly judging each other. This one's not grieving the way they're supposed to. This one's not as involved. This one hasn't helped as much. They're full of judgment and it really distracts them from what they're really supposed to be doing, which is grieving the loss of their parent. And I find that judgment is the biggest distraction. And we spend so much time judging others and judging ourselves when we could be forgiving others and forgiving ourselves, which would make the world a softer, kinder place. But also we would be kinder to ourselves and to others. I'm so over judgment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and judgment does uh, tend to rule the roost in in situations that are heated up. And certainly the death of a loved one um, will breathe a lot of judgment. And I'm, 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 I'm holding some images in my mind of a similar situation that you describe. And it's true. And it does distract us from the reality and what we should be doing. And I think that that is one that I have not heard of when we talk about what forgiveness does that doesn't help us. I mean, what, what not forgiving, I'm sorry, being unforgiving, you know, hold, yeah, what, what holding yes. judgment does. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm tongue tied, but yes, the judgment does keep us from what we should be doing. And I've never thought of it in that way, but you're very right. But we, but we also judge because we don't want to deal with what we have to be doing. It's much harder to grieve. So it's much easier to judge everyone and everything and keep the focus right there because it allows us to stay at the surface. And so I see it all the time. And it I, it breaks my heart, to be honest, Lisa, when I'm a rabbi, and I hate when I say to be honest, but the truth is, is that people come to me and they've just gotten a promotion at a job. And it's a time that they should feel excited and thrilled. And instead, they're full of judgment about themselves. I can't do this. I'm an imposter. They're gonna, I'm going to get fired. And those really keep us from enjoying the moment and being present. And I think that we should go back to the, the example that you cited before about when a loved one dies or when there is something really, really horrible that happens. Our ability to sit with what is, to sit with the grief, to sit with the sadness, the loss, the anguish, the angst, the disappointment, and be able to feel it so we can deal with it and move right. through and it. And I understand not wanting to sit with it because it's painful. Who wants to sit with those kinds of feelings? But they, it's like a bottle. If you stuff it and stuff it and stuff it, it's not that the bottle eventually, you know, the contents disappear. They just get more stuffed until they explode. And that's why you see people acting out. Yes. 
acting out and, and, and things that are undesirable happen when we actually don't take the time to confront what is. Yeah. When we lean in, so. when we lean in to what is uncomfortable, unpleasant and challenging, in my experience, you know, the resistance eases a little bit. For sure. When you actually lean in, which I love that language of Sheryl Sandberg, but when you, you actually lean into that grief and sadness, it's not as daunting or as overwhelming as we anticipate. Everybody says that to me. I was going to be so huge that I couldn't get through it. And what they do is they find themselves on the other side. And so it wasn't as huge as they thought. Ah, which takes us to our thoughts and how um, limiting and debilitating they can be. Yes. Don't believe everything you think. <laughs> no, I love that line, you know, and it's also that as women, we're so judgmental of each other and then we internalize those messages. And then there's the mother daughter relationship. There's just all this internalization of judgment and self-loathing. And I think it's very hard to really come out of that and to say, you know, what if today your weight was great, no matter what it was? What if just and you were exactly the way you were intended to be? How would you live your life differently today? And that's the way we should start our mornings. I agree. I agree. It's a more kind and gentle way of being in the world and experiencing life. So we know that life is not always comfortable and sometimes it's downright awkward. What do we say at life's most uncomfortable moments and what do we say to others as they are experiencing them? Well, I think that's funny, Lisa, because what we say is nothing. That is the big lie, is that we think we need to fix everything and we need to say something smart and pithy and very comforting. And in fact, that's not what we need to do. What we need to do is to learn how to other people's discomfort and to be silent. Sometimes just holding someone's hand and letting them physically feel your presence is far more powerful. And we don't need to fix people. Even though we're so good at fixing other people's problems, the challenge is really to sit with other people's discomfort. And that's like, even as a parent and as a spouse, as a friend, no matter what, it's just to sit there. And it sounds a little inactive, like, but you can't imagine how good people are at fixing their own problems if they're given the space to just be and to be heard. This is really powerful. Um, Carl Rogers, who is the great humanistic psychology, um, talks about this, about holding unconditional positive regard for another, believing that when given the opportunity and space, that we as individuals have all the tools and resources necessary to solve our own problems and be instrumental in our own healing. I could not agree with him more. I mean, I really believe that we are so focused on seeking outside help. And I'm a big believer in getting out, right? I'm a believer in therapy and rabbis. Obviously, it's my job. I don't want to be out of job. That being said, I want us to learn to trust ourselves more and really that we have internal wisdom. There's a great story in the Jewish tradition that before we're born, God gave us all the knowledge of everything that's going to happen in our life. 
and then minutes, seconds before we were pushed through the birth canal, God touched the top of our lip, that little indentation, I forget its name, and we forgot everything. And our life's journey is to recapture what we already know. And I love that message of it's not out there, but it's deep within us and that we really know what's going on. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And the journey of this life, and I t- tell this to clients as well all the time, is to come home to yourself, you know, to be comfortable in your own skin. Right. Yeah, come home to yourself. What a beautiful phrase. And every sort of Disney movie is about going out, come back home, and to find that home is right in front of you. Think of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, right? It's Yes, 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 yes. And in fact, yesterday I played the Wizard of Oz for a group. It was, it's, I mean, it's very funny. It's ironic that you mentioned this because we were talking about the hero's journey. Oh, I love that. And it's exactly right. Dorothy is the, the pinnacle example of what it means to be a hero and to come home to yourself. Yep, that all along she had everything that she needed to um, take care of herself. And we all do. We just, we, we need to be uh, opened to it by sometimes by others, by sometimes a space holder, just an empathic space holder. And I love the advice that you're giving about saying nothing, just hold a hand, be present, maybe make really good eye contact or hug and hug fully, wholeheartedly. Right. In the, tradi- in the Jewish tradition, what I was that you, when someone dies, you go to a shiva, literally a sitting place, and you walk in and you say nothing. And you wait for them to speak for, and if they don't, you sit in silence. Because the idea is that your presence is the comfort that they need. Not your words, not some comment, but that your presence is what will heal them most. And so I've often gone into Shiva homes as a rabbi and sat silently for 45 minutes. And people think, how do you do that? Because we can't even be silent for three minutes. But you realize that you really want to help the person. You don't really want to listen to your own voice. And to do that, you have to sit quietly. And that is love in action, the ability to sit with the discomfort of another, to be fully present, to show up, to engage without engaging really is a gift that we all can give to one another and also to ourselves. We are out of time. And once again, my amazing guest and author is Rabbi Sherry Hirsch. To learn more, please visit SherryHirsch.com. The book is Threshold, How to Thrive Through Life's Transitions and to live fearlessly and regret-free. And the contact points on Facebook, let me give you those. Sherry, maybe you can help me out here with, the, with your Facebook page and your Twitter handle. My Twitter handle is simply my name, Sherry Hirsch, S-H-E-R-R-E, which is a funky spelling, and H-I-R-S-C-H. But my Facebook is Rabbi Sherry Hirsch, and my website is just www.sherryhirsch.com. And I love to hear from my listeners. I love to hear from my viewers. So feel free to email me. I answer all my own emails to the, to the chagrin of my publicist and whatnot. But I really i am a very intimate and personal person, so I love to hear from everyone. And here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, 
place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my illuminating guest today, Mark Nepo and Rabbi Sherry Hirsch, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And thanks to our producers who make us shine each and every week. We really appreciate you. Go out and make it a good one. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new broadcast and continue to harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on iTunes and SoundCloud. To learn more about Lisa's global practice as an applied positive psychology coach specializing in lifestyle management as well as addiction and trauma recovery services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness.